You can be seated. Now I need to kind of preach something tonight, and uh, maybe you can call me selfish if you want to. That's okay, but this is actually really for myself. Uh, I need to hear myself preach this. Uh, I guess you could say I have some struggles with this. So call me selfish if you will. Maybe if you want, you can mentally check out for the next few minutes, whatever. Maybe you're good in this area, but this is for me. This is for me. We'll be honest with you tonight. I I have some struggles in this area, so I need to hear myself preach this. Most of us, I'm going to assume here tonight, are are born-again Christians. We've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. He's renewed our mind. He's given us a heart of a soft heart, a heart of flesh. Uh, He has cleansed us from unrighteousness. He has cloaked us in His righteousness. He has made us pure in His sight. Uh, and all that is good and awesome stuff. And I'm going to assume that most of us in here, you know, he has given us wisdom and et cetera, et cetera. He's cleansed us. But here we find ourselves in and amongst a world that is filled with sin, right? Sin everywhere you look, outer darkness everywhere you look, there is sin. We observe unsaved folks all around us. We observe rank heathens all around us. Uh, we go to work. And we see rank heathens saying filthy things. You, you, no matter where you go, you come across just unsaved stuff, filth all over the place. And here we are washed in the blood of the Lamb in and amongst all this stuff. And we, we see things at work. We see even unsaved people in our own families, maybe a spouse, cousin, brother, dad, just unsaved, wants nothing to do with the things of God. We, we see this stuff. We observe it. It's all around us, driving flip on a television, you see it. Everywhere we go, in our government, people have positions of leadership, great positions of leadership, and we see godlessness. Now, here we are, cleansed, and we are observing this stuff. We live in it. We see it all around us. <clears throat> we see people blaspheme in the name of God. We see Courts striking down this and that, that that America has stood for. We see them banning, tearing down Ten Commandments. And we observe this stuff. We hear horror stories of Islamic extremists uh, persecuting Christians, maiming them and killing them overseas. And, And we see this stuff going on around us. We see people proud to march for homosexual rights. We observe these things. We see it all around us. We see movements against our freedoms. We see people get angry at us if we speak out against abortion, and so on and so forth. All this stuff going on around us, we observe, and it's going on all around us, the darkness all around us, everywhere. And I don't know about you, but sometimes my natural reaction can can be ill-feeling towards these people. What I mean is you hear a person blaspheme the name of God, the God that we love, and something in you strikes you, and you say, What's this dude's problem? Or you see a judge strike down or tear down the Ten Commandments, and my natural fleshly reaction is to think, what's this idiot thinking? What is his problem? I don't know about you, but sometimes naturally seeing all this stuff, all this darkness around me stirs up ill feelings inside of me towards these people, towards these people who are not like I am towards these people who don't believe in the Word, towards these people who don't believe and don't want to believe in the Word, towards people who say there is no God. Sometimes I get ill feelings inside of me. I feel anger towards government entities for nearly everything on their agenda. It makes me angry. It gets, gets me mad. It gets me all riled up. 
And I get this anger churning inside of me. Anger because they're anti-God. Anger because they're anti-Christian. It's almost like I can't hardly stand anything our country is doing right now. And it's stirring up anger inside of me. Then that begins to snowball, take a snowball effect inside of me. I, I got this anger towards all these people, all this darkness all around me. Why can't you see right for we have people that can't discern right from wrong? And I'm, what in the world is your problem? You can't, this is right, that's wrong. You got it all backwards. And it stirs up ill feelings inside of me. And then it begins to get a snowball effect happens and turns and it gets bigger and bigger. And before I know it, I hear myself, I can't stand Democrats or I can't stand liberals or I can't stand Republicans. I cannot stand the president. I can't stand it. And it just grows and grows and grows inside of me. I find myself saying, I I, I can't, this bugs me. Look at this jerk. What's this idiot's problem? You understand where I'm coming from? This stuff churns inside of us. Soon uh, it becomes, I can't stand these people. I can't stand that guy at work that blasphemes, that takes the Lord's name in vain. I can't stand him. What kind of idiot is he? What kind of stupid judge would strike down the Ten Commandments? Fool. Or this... Even I get this attitude that Islamic jihadists want to come to America and and start shooting us or or persecuting us. All right, let's do this then. I'll shoot you. Let's go. Let's have this thing. Let's do this thing. You want to threaten us? I'll threaten you. It just wells up inside of me. It's my natural reaction. You want to come here? You want to call me an infidel? Let's do this thing then. Turn on TV, say, oh, that moron president said, what? What's this idiot's problem? I don't agree. I can't hardly stand him. And it's just stuff just churns inside of us. And I want to tell you something. If it's un- not dealt with, it's very dangerous. Very dangerous to the born-again Christian. Very dangerous to let those feelings go unchecked. Very dangerous ground on thin ice. It leads to feelings of animosity towards people that don't think like we do. Next thing you know, you see someone that's unsaved, you can't you're unsaved, and maybe they are filthy. Maybe they are saying filthy things, but you can't stand them because you've been washed in the blood, and you do think right, and you do have knowledge of the Word, and you see this person that doesn't, and you can't hardly stand them anymore. You're on dangerous ground. <clears throat> it can even lead towards feelings of hatred. I bet you if someone in here was honest, if we really would get down to the nitty-gritty, I bet you I could find someone in here who hates President Obama. Or I could find someone in here who hates someone for using you. Or hates someone for the way they've treated you. I bet you someone in here would. uh, If we were honest with each other. Even hatred. Hatred because this person doesn't believe like you. This person doesn't believe in this. This person doesn't believe in God. It leads towards hatred. It's dangerous, very dangerous. Now, I said this is for me. Before I go any further, I don't want you to think I hate everyone and hate this person and hate that person and hate the president. That, that is not true. I'm just saying stuff can well up inside of us. Amen? It can well up inside us. When you see all this darkness going on, you want to say, what in the world is your problem? How can't you get this right? But their minds have not been washed. They're not renewed like we are. All this stuff goes on and goes on, and if it's left unchecked, something dangerous can happen. We'll forget one of the very most basic principles in Christianity. We'll forget one of the most basic cornerstones in Christianity. We will forget, we'll end up forgetting 
that we are supposed to love people. Amen? We are supposed to love people that have different political views than you. We're supposed to love that brother that you work beside that loves to take the Lord's name in vain. We're supposed to love the people that trample on you and use you. We're supposed to, we're called to love those people, not hate them, not have feelings of animosity, not barely stand them because they don't agree with anything you say. We're not supposed to hate those people. We're not supposed to have animosity towards them. We're supposed to have love for those people, love for the lost. We're supposed to love people that don't love us back. A couple weeks ago, I was home alone. Shannon was somewhere and the kids were somewhere and I was laying by the wood burner and it was nice and warm and just praying and trying to be in the spirit. And I felt the Lord just like examining me and I just felt to, to look to the fruits of the spirit. I love reading about the fruits of the spirit. And if you actually look in Galatians at the fruits of the spirit, what's the very first fruit that, that the Bible names? It's love. But the fruits of the spirit are love. It names love as number one. If we don't have love in our hearts, not just for each other. It's easy for me to love my brothers and sisters. Love towards everybody, towards the people that have different views than you, towards the people that have different opinions, towards the people that dress differently than you, towards the people that were raised in a different culture than you. We are supposed to have love. That is a fruit that should be growing off of our branches in our Christian lives. Love, named number one. We should have love. You know, you think about it, the, the homosexual that's dressed in rainbow colors, carrying a rainbow flag that's marching for his or her rights or wanting to be equal with other rights, that person needs Jesus Christ just the same as I do. Amen? That person that is marching out there, adamant, proud about what they're doing, though it stands everything against this, that person needs the same amount of Jesus' blood than me. Amen? That person needs the same amount of Jesus today that I need today. Amen? We need to understand, we put our pants on the same way other people do. We get dressed the same way unsaved folks do. We're no better than they are. President Obama, he needs just as much Christ as I do. Amen? You know, that judge that just banned this or that, they need the Lord Jesus. The Bible doesn't call us to hate that judge that tears down his Ten Commandments. The Bible calls us to love those people, even those people. Even those people that stand against everything we stand for. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. Even that rank heathen at work that says such filthy stuff, Bible calls us to love them. The doctrine of Christ, Christianity tells us to love those people. We are called to speak the truth in love. You know, we're called to battle spiritual things, amen? We're called to battle spiritual things. So much we walk around in the flesh, which Christianity is not a fleshly thing. It is a spiritual thing. We're commanded to walk after the spirit, not after the flesh. What happens is we walk after the flesh. Then we see this stuff on the news. We see these foolish decisions. And then our flesh manifests ourselves, and that's what gives us feelings of animosity towards these people. The Bible says we're battling spiritual things, not physical things, spiritual things. If you look in Ephesians chapter 6, you don't have to turn there. But where it talks about the armor of God, I know we've all seen that many a times, but the Bible says, 
Have your loins girt about with truth, breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. All those things I just named are spiritual things. The Bible doesn't tell us to get an actual real shield in an Uzi to defend the Christian faith. The Bible says equip yourself with these spiritual things. Why? Because you're in a spiritual battle. Amen? All those pieces of armor and equipment that God provides for us through His Word and prayer, those are spiritual things. Our enemy is not that judge that just said, I forbid the Ten Commandments, let's tear them down. He's not our enemy. Amen? Neither is this person marching in the parade with the rainbow cut. That's not our enemy either. Neither is the president. He's not our enemy. They are not our enemies. Our enemy is the devil. Our enemy is evil spirits, demons. That is what our enemy is. These certain sins that we see, that, that, that guy you work with that speaks filth, that's a manifestation of spiritual things. You understand that? It's a manifestation of spiritual things inside of that individual. That's why the Bible says, grab the sword of the Spirit. Grab the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. We battle a spiritual enemy. We battle the evil spirits inside of these people through prayer, through sharing our faith, through loving people. Love is the most dangerous weapon there is in our arsenal, loving on people. It's so easy to forget. It's so easy to look at these people and shake your head. Man, what in the world? Look at this jerk. He's so lost. Eh. And write these people off. I don't believe God would have us write people off. Even the most rank heathen among them, I don't believe God would have us write these people off. I do not believe so. The poor leadership we have in America, that's a manifestation of evil spirits, of pride, of turning away from God, of our own arrogance as a nation. That's a manifestation of spiritual things. But so easy, you want to say, I hate this man. I can't stand this man or this person. If we could get rid of this person, we'd be all right. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, not against people. We love people. We wrestle with the evil spirits. We curse them in Jesus' name against spiritual wickedness in high places. If you really examine the ministry of Jesus Christ, and you get in your Gospels, the Gospel of John's a good one. You get in the Gospel of John, and you see what the ministry of Jesus Christ was on. His ministry was based on love, was it not? It was based on love, love for the multitudes, love. He loved people. You think of the kingdoms that have been set up in this world. You think of Hitler. You think of Mussolini, you think of Stalin, you think of any of these people, Castro, Paul Pot, any, anyone. What did they make their ministries on? Force, power, authority, guns, numbers, force, forced upon people, but Jesus forced nothing. His ministry, unlike any other kingdom set up in this world, was based on love. He loved people. He offered forgiveness. 
He had compassion on the multitudes. He fed people. He sat and ate with people. He argued with people. Look at the ministry of Jesus. We'll read my Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. We should all know automatically. That's where we learn about love, remember? 1 Corinthians 13 is a chapter of love. I'll read verses 1 through 8. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunts not itself. It's not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinks no evil. It rejoices not in sin, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails, but where there be prophecies, they shall fail. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall all vanish away. The Bible says if we don't have love, we've got nothing. I might be the world's best preacher, but if I don't have love in my heart for the lost, I've got nothing. I'm like a hollow symbol, tinkling brass here before you this, this evening. If we have love, we have nothing, church, nothing at all. If we're going around looking at the world, hating on them, we have nothing. We have nothing. We're wasting our time. Love. We need to start walking around and looking at people as God would look at people. How does he look at people? Look at the word. Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, I believe this is when uh, they're bringing all the sons of Jesse to see who would be a fit king. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7 says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord, now listen, for the Lord sees not at man's seas, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. How many of you know there, that gentleman at work that has horrible, filthy language? You know, when we see that and we hear that, we see he's dressed poorly and maybe he has ACDC shirt on or, or whatever it may be. Maybe he's covering tattoos and piercings and, and that's how we look at people. Maybe God looks at that man and sees a man that was, went through a horrible divorce as a child. Maybe God looks at that man and see who man, sees a man who is searching or who is seeking some answers. Maybe God looks at that man and, and sees a person who his dad said, you're a loser, son. Or his mom said, you'll never be anything when you grow up. Maybe that's God looks on the heart. We look with our corner eyes and God says, no, 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 look on the heart. That's how I do it. Or that's how we're to do it. God looks on the inside, whereas we look at appearances. We have to look at people through God's eyes. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 38. Pick up in a Sermon on the Mount. I went through this just with myself a week and a half ago or so. This is some of the toughest things I believe Jesus spoke to us is in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. And this is awesome stuff. I get excited when I see cool stuff in the Bible. I hope you do too. Matthew 5, verse 38 says, Ye have heard that it has been said, 
an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if a man sues thee at the law and takes away your coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him too. And to him that asks thee, and for him would borrow of thee, turn not away. Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemies. But I say unto you, Love your enemies and bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Verse 45, That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and send rain on the just and on the unjust. For if the love of them, excuse me, for if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans do the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than them? Do not even the publicans do so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now this is some tough stuff. I don't know how you feel about it, but this is tough stuff. This goes against my mentality, see? This goes against everything I feel. So you do something to me, I want to do something back to you. You talk bad about me, I want to talk bad about you. You something, say something against my dad, I'm going to say something against your dad. You take a swing at me, I'll take a swing at you. That's my mentality. That's how I feel. I, I'm being honest. That's how naturally, that's how I feel. What's awesome is Jesus, if you look back in verse 38, says, ye have heard that it has been said an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Jesus is actually referring back to, it's Exodus chapter 21 or 22, Mosaic law. Uh, and it's in Leviticus also, the Bible does say in its law, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It says it in Leviticus, Levitical law, it, it does say that. And Jesus is referring back to that, saying, hey, you have heard it has been said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It, and in fact, that was their law back in those times. If you look at any of that stuff, that was their law. For example, if someone murdered someone in your family, you had the right, by the Mosaic and Levitical law, it was your right to require that person's blood if you wanted. If someone killed your sister, if someone beat your sister to death, you could say, I want him put to death. I want his blood. And that was their law. Okay, you do that. If someone stole and killed one of your sheep, you go kill one of his. That was their law. And that's what Jesus is referring back to that. If you've heard it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And in fact, that was your right. That was your right back then. Uh, Jesus, I, he's ref making reference to that. But Jesus, what he does is he turns and shows, you know what? He says, let me refer you to the law, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But in Jesus' ministry, he said, you know what? There's actually a higher standard than just the law. There's the moral law, the law of love of forgiveness. Yes, it is your right to require that person's blood because they murdered someone in your family. But I say unto you, yes, that's the law. But look, there's something even higher than that. It's love and forgiveness. It's turning the other cheek. Isn't that awesome? Jesus reveals to us a higher standard than the law. The moral law. Mm. <laughs> even though it's your right to demand tooth for tooth. Jesus says, love our enemies and pray for them. Pray for them that use you. Pray for them that say bad things about you. 
I know for a fact everyone here probably had someone at work say something bad about them. Or one of my pet peeves is I hate when the boss man makes you look bad for something he messed up. Ever had that happen? I have, man. That just irks me something fierce. I look to the Bible, and I want to demand tooth for tooth. But Jesus says, hey, you know what? That's the law, but I want to tell you something even more. Love, love. Pray for that man that just used you. Pray for that person that just walked on you. Pray for that person that just slandered you. Pray for them. Love your enemies. <clears throat> Bible says, let me find myself here. If, in verse 41, and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him too. Bible says if someone compels you to go a mile with them, go with them too. I had a man, he's not saved at work. Understand, understand, this is why we're alive, is to minister, is to go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's why we're here, to bring glory to God. That's why the Bible says if someone says, hey, go with them a mile, go too. Now, this man came, and I know he's been having a rough way to go lately, and we've had some real good talks and got to share some scripture with him and this and that. Well, this guy, he texted me one day and said, hey, man, do you have, because he knows I'm saved, and he said, do you have any Bible scriptures that's on like uh, hope or encouragement and stuff like that? You know, so he kind of, I took that as he compelled me to go with what he asked me to do something. You know what? I didn't just text him a couple things back just to get him off my back because I got to deal with kids here, man. I got to deal with, I'm trying to eat dinners. You know, he compelled me. He asked me for something. So I went, I made sure I went above and beyond, and I sat down and hand wrote several scriptures that I, I knew that would hit home in this guy because he'd been going through a hard time. I hand wrote him a note, a, a full page, you know, just telling him to all the hope, or to all the living there is hope that we have out there. Just talking to him about peace and stuff like that. Just wrote all this stuff and put it in a leather seal, letter, sealed it up, and handed it to him. And that's what the Bible's telling us to do. If someone compels you to go one mile with them, go two. Go above and beyond. If you have a chance, an opportunity, go above and beyond to minister to people. Love people. Though they may not love you back, love on them. <clears throat> if we look at verse 43 and verse 44 again, says, ye have heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies and bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now verse 44, he says, love your enemies, love them. All these people that use you and spit on you and chew on your name. We're supposed to love them. I'm here to tell you, it's impossible. It is impossible. It is impossible. But we also know that the Bible says with man, it is impossible. But with God, those things are possible. You see, it is impossible for this man of flesh and blood you see walking around, pacing back and forth, speaking at you right now. It's impossible for me to love someone that says something against my wife. It's impossible for me to love my boss who just threw me under the bus. It is impossible for me to do it. I can't. Matter of fact, I agree with verse 43. It says, Ye have heard it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemies. I'm thinking, Amen. My flesh says, Amen. I love the people that love me and hate the people that hate me. I'm all right with that, my flesh says. See, it is impossible for me, walking around in this flesh, walking after the flesh, to love people that hate me, to love people that use me. But with God, 
all things are possible. This is why we need salvation. This is why we need Jesus Christ in our lives in a daily routine. This is why we walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Amen? Because after the flesh, we cannot please God. We cannot love these people. We cannot love that man that loves to say the Lord's name in vain, who screams it and shouts it and likes to add curse words with it. We cannot do it without Christ in our lives, walking after the Spirit. This shows my need for God in my life every day and in your life every day. If God is not in our lives every day, that animosity towards all these politicians you may not agree with will grow and grow, and soon you'll hate those people. I would much rather it be eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Man, my flesh agrees with that stuff. Swing on me, I'll swing on you. But Jesus sets a higher standard, amen? A higher standard. And says, you know what? If he swings on you, turn the other cheek. Some of the toughest stuff in the Bible. Remember we said the very first fruit of the Spirit. What is it? It's love. It's love. Jesus says, pray for them and love your enemies. Does anyone remember? It's probably been a month ago now, maybe. The movie, The Faith Card. Remember that? Awesome movie. Uh, I, I want... I'm sorry, well, the grace card. I'm sorry, the grace card. Yeah, the grace card. That was an awesome movie. And I don't know whether you were able to make it to New Hope movie night, but I love New Hope movie night. It's it's fun. I love it. We always look forward to it. And I don't particularly care for the trash that Hollywood puts out. I can do without that. But the grace card, if you remember that movie, hopefully I'm not ruining it for you if you haven't seen it yet, but you should have been here that night then. But it ended up, uh, there was the, the white cop had a messed up life and he ended up saying a racial slur to his black cop partner. Remember that? And he said a racial slur and the black cop partner was a pastor, a part-time pastor on the side in the ministry. Love the Lord would preach. And you remember, and this just spoke volumes to me. You remember the, the black cop that had the racial slur slung on him? He he said to his wife, you know, he said that, and I admit that stirred up feelings in me of anger, even hatred, because this man, this unsaved man, said a racial slur against this black man. Now, black man, even though he was a pastor, he was honest, and he said that stirred up just hatred inside of me and anger. But what was so awesome about the movie is just God showed him That man that called him a racial slur is exactly the one we are called to love. People that say things against us. People that say racial slurs against us. We are called to love even those people. That's exactly who the Bible's talking about. When Jesus, that's exactly who Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, love your enemies. Pray for them which despitefully use you and say things again. That's exactly who he's talking about. If you didn't have a chance to see that movie, I suggest it strongly. It was awesome. Great movie. Awesome movie. But that really spoke to me, man. It, that was great. <clears throat> but our flesh would say, are you, are you going to let him call you that? If someone calls me a name, my natural reaction is to call them a name. Someone humiliates me, I'm going to try to humiliate them back. But that goes against the Christian principles that we are taught. Well, we're not called to hate the president. 
We're not called to hate the judges or this person or that. We're called to love them. We're called to fight a spiritual battle. Amen? Jesus says to bless them that curse you. If you read verse 46 and verse 47 again, it says, For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans do the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans do that? Let me tell you something. It's so easy for me to love my brothers and sisters in here. It's easy. I enjoy being around these brothers and sisters in here. If you had the chance to help out down at the restoration, I enjoyed myself so much at the restoration because I saw my, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ helping out, doing anything. And that, and that was the attitude I have. Give me a job, Adam and Jan, I'll do it. I don't care what it is, I'll do it. You know, working with brothers and sisters, it was great. It's joyful. It's, I know you love me, and, and I love you, and we love each other. And if you get knocked down in your life, you come down for prayer, we all gather, gather around you and pray for each other. And that's a good thing. That's how it should be. We should be admonishing each other, edifying each other, building each other up. That's the way the body of Christ works. But that's the easy part. Amen? That's the easy part. It's for me to love you, and you love me back. But what happens when I love you and you hate me back? You see, that's where it becomes tough. That's where, that's where God tells us, you love them people, love them. That is why we are here, is to love. The, the word charity, the Bible says, it actually uses the word charity. It, it actually means universal love, love for anybody, love for everybody. Nationality, background, creed, universal love for all those people. All the different people in the world. We would do well to remember, we're actually hillbillies. We're, we're all hillbillies. We're actually small town folks. We got to remember, there's people that are raised in big cities. There's people that are raised in different cultures than we are. And we get attitudes, oh, they want to live like them big city folks. Eh, they don't know. You know what? We're called to love universal love. City folks, hillbillies, doesn't matter what kind of people, love everybody. People on the backside of Somalia. We got brothers and sisters all around this world. We're called to love, to love everybody. Now, loving each other is the easy part. It's easy because you love me back. I love you. That's easy. We got to love the people that don't love us back, that show us no love. That's what Christianity is all about, as loving people. Bible tells us the great commission, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to all people. That's why we exist, to preach the gospel to all people, to show love, to care about people. You know, I think about Wednesday night, uh, Chase spoke for a few minutes and I thought it was pretty awesome, you know, how he was saying that Israelites had to go forth and take the promised land, but there was inhabitants in that promised land and they had to go in there and get those inhabitants out in order for them to, to dwell in the promised land. And I thought of myself, you know, how many times have I prayed, God, create this perfect situation where I can minister the word to someone. And you know what? I'm beginning to think God has equipped me. I don't need the perfect situation. I just need to make it happen. Oh, remember someone said, if you don't feel led, then you better get the lead out. I believe, you know, and, and I thought about that, you know, and there was a particular gentleman at work. Um, 
He works in a maintenance department. I got a lot of respect for the maintenance guys. They can fix anything in this world. I don't even know how they learn the stuff they know, but sometimes if it's quiet, I'll go hang out in the shop. Now, these men are typical maintenance guys. Tattoos, just as rough as can be. Barely can speak English. If, you did, if I didn't work there so long, I probably couldn't understand a few of them. A couple of them walk around with a limp, and they look, they're just a roughneck group of guys, but they can fix anything. And they're heathens, and they do speak pretty filthy. But there's one particular gentleman, I think he's a pretty cool guy, he's unsaved, and doesn't even believe in God at all, you know. Doesn't even believe in the Lord at all. And I was praying, Lord, create an opportunity where I can, and he knows I'm a Christian, you know, and he respects that. But I was praying, Lord, create an opportunity, you know, where I can, share and just we can maybe we can talk with this guy and lots of time there's other people around and then i got to thinking you know what why don't i just make it happen you know what am i waiting on i just make it happen so you know it was that night i went to work and you know there me and him were and uh i was able to have a great conversation with this guy awesome conversation about now you know what was it saying jesus says this and the bible says that and but we were able to have an awesome conversation about the Bible, about God, about the things of God. You know, that's what it's all about. Just sharing your faith with brothers or with people out in this world, loving on people. Maybe that guy will never get saved. That's not up to me. Growth is up to God. Amen. We're to water and to plant the seeds, but growth is up to God, not up to us. He causes the growth. He causes that seed to germinate and grow. But we are called to to spread the good seed with love, to in love speak the truth. Amen? Amen. I'm going to bring this to a close. But I want to read you one final scripture. If you are anything like me, or a person that can tend to think he's have feelings of animosity before I have feelings of love. The uh, Bible says in Ezekiel, Chapter 11, verse 19, it says, And I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh. And I thought that was a fitting scripture to close with, because if we have a stony heart, all you'll feel is you don't care about those people, don't care if they go to hell, don't care what happens to their lives, don't care about their families, don't care about them at all. Matter of fact, don't even like them. Don't mess with me. Just let me keep going to church and be saved. Well, that's a stony heart. You know, if there be anyone here tonight who has a stony heart, the Bible says God will come and he'll open you up and he'll take that stony heart out and he'll put a heart of flesh in. What that means is he'll put a soft heart inside of you, a heart that instead of hating on people, instead of saying that idiot president, it'll start loving on people. And it'll start caring about people. It'll start caring and you'll start praying for these people. You'll start getting a burden for these people. You'll begin to pray for that person in political position that you can't stand. You'll begin to pray for that guy that works beside you. You can't stand a word that comes out of his mouth. Ask God to give you that fleshly heart. Take away that stony old thing and get rid of it. And God put inside of me a heart of flesh. Guys, if you got some... Music ready. You can turn these lights down. Let's spend a few minutes praying before we go, before we start our work week. Ask God to give us that heart of flesh. Take that old stony thing out of there and give us a soft heart towards the people of the world, towards even the most rank heathen out there. God, give us 
a soft heart towards those people. Let us love those people. Amen.